podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. season is a quarter of the way over, and I'm already starting to get a lot of feels about it. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. This is the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Never fear, Chris Ross is here, just not for the intro. Uh, he will be here for the discussion. He and Josh Cohen of the Land Grant Gauntlet join us to talk about the biggest takeaways from week Four. We had our first two conference games this last week in Oklahoma State, losing to Texas, West Virginia defeating Kansas. We wrapped up non-conference games, Iowa State and Baylor. Victorious TCU, the week's big loser, Horn Frogs. Yikes, guys, yikes. Like, we'll get into it more in the show, but it's not even the offense that concerns me that much. It's, I mean, other than the, the fumbles, like, that's yikes, guys. We're going to have to get Melissa on and talk about what the heck's going on in Fort Worth. It was a big week. There's a lot to talk about. And let's just put it this way. Uh, the episode's always a lot more fun when Chris and I, I don't want to say fight or, or banter, but disagree. Let's go with that. Let's use the uh, the word disagree. That feels the most appropriate. And say we disagree uh, on our takeaway from the Oklahoma State-Texas game, the big game of the weekend. Like, I'm not going to bore you with a long intro. We got a lot to get to. This is a long episode, but we have a lot to say. So with that said, Make sure you're signed up for ESPN+. Plus. So if you're an Oklahoma State or Kansas State fan, that's the only way you will watch this Saturday's big matchup in Stillwater. Kansas State now ranked number 24 in the country. Oklahoma State, two spots out of the top 25. It's a big matchup for the Big 12. It's another big game. Oklahoma State with a second one in a row. But the only way the Wildcats and Cowboy fans are going to be able to watch this game is with ESPN+. Plus. So go to our Twitter account, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. There is a tweet pinned to the top Click that link, get yourself signed up, get your free trial period if you haven't already, and make sure you're ready to watch the game this Saturday. Week four is in the books, and and I think we've learned 
a bit about every Big 12 team that that took part in the action this past weekend. And so we kind of mix up the way we like to recap the weekend each week because otherwise it gets stale and boring. We could just talk about each game, but you watch the ones you cared about and you want to have some interesting takes. So today, that's what we're doing. It's literally just kind of like takes our biggest takeaways from this past weekend. Uh, of course, Chris is here and uh, and Josh Cohen from the Land Grant Gauntlet is joining us today to present his as well. Josh, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks. It's good to be back. So let's start here, uh, and we'll just kind of go one by one, just kind of in a in a circle with the three of us. Chris, why don't you give this a, a start? What what was your your first big takeaway from this past Saturday? My biggest takeaway is that if you've played four games, your season is already a third of the way over. <sighs> Think about that. It just started, and that's how fast it goes by. We really have to appreciate each and every week because before long, we're going to be back to no football. And that's miserable. Yeah. So that's my that's my first takeaway is thinking about that. It always uh, comes on me really quick to think that this season's already a third of the way over because in a couple of weeks it'll be halfway over. And uh, so that's my big takeaway. Game wise, I don't know the the team that surprised me most. Maybe the only team that really surprised me out of what I saw was Iowa State. Brock Purdy, after a couple unfortunate turnovers to begin the game just showed out the rest of the way against Louisiana Monroe. And yes, it's against Louisiana Monroe. And yes, they dropped another game to Iowa last week. And we can talk about that mental block for forever. But this is the first time we've seen Iowa State live up to the potential they showed last year. And uh, that's that's got to be the, the biggest takeaway from this week. Yeah, pretty with 510 total yards, three passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. It's the first player in Big 12 history with 400 passing yards, three passing TDs, and three rushing TDs in the same game. It felt kind of like uh, Purdy was making up for uh, games one and two where he was pretty subpar and uh, and just showed out. Yeah, whoever has him in the fa- in their fantasy team, they uh, they had a pretty good week. Was it you? Do you have? Yeah, that might that that might have been me. Is that a self plug? You trying to? Is that a pat on the back? Hey, that's my first win. I'll take it. Though just for those of you out there who uh who who do fantasy, uh college fantasy is it's not fun. It's not. It's brutal. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Especially when you have eight uh media personalities in one league with only 10 actual teams to choose players from. Yeah, quarterbacks it's, are yeah. It's brutal. Tough. Okay. No, I thought Iowa State had a impressive day. Uh, the defense did a good job, but the offense finally showed up. And I, it's I said that in our Friday pod. I thought this was the week that Iowa State's offense would finally show up, and they they did far beyond even I thought they were going to. I, I, we knew Iowa State's offense would be good this year, but moving forward, Matt Campbell has to start looking at their off seasons and figuring out why their offense struggles so much out of the gate, and it takes them till week four or five every year to get going. Like, I, I'm glad to see it. I mean, this, this year they're awesome. replacing key pieces. Sure. And that's that's a big thing. But we could make some excuse and comment about every season. It's just, it's becoming a bit of a true. habit. And, that's and, true. You know, this 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 many years I, I'm a, a big I'm a big believer in that. That was my thing with Kingsbury. At a certain point, the excuses don't matter. It's just not happening. Yeah. But uh, obviously, uh, the floodgates are open, and, and we'll see what Iowa State does against Baylor this coming Saturday if the offense can keep rolling. Joshua, what was your, your first big takeaway from this past Saturday? 
Um, my big, ta- I don't, I don't necessarily have like a global takeaway like uh, Chris does. Um, mine's game specific. I mean, TCU, uh, oh, they got uh, some problems on offense. I think that they they got to work through. And to me, what 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 was interesting is it kind of feels like they got a lot of the same problems they had last year, uh, especially on the offensive side, especially with the turnovers. Uh, turnovers really killed them in, in their loss to SMU. I think that they had three, and if they met, you could argue that if they had, had one less, they might have actually won that game. As you know, as bad as it was, they they might have could have won without that one more turnover. We were we mentioned this game right before we started recording, and and I don't think I'm as surprised as you guys were. One, yes, Max uh, Duggan had a he had a, a a good game. Is it Duggan Duggan? I think it's Duggan. Duggan. So he uh, he he had a, a decent game uh, on the road last week, but it wasn't the numbers really weren't that great, and and I kind of had a feeling that that might cost them this week. SMU is not a bad team at all. They're going to finish fairly high in their conference and they have a decent offense. So I really, I just wasn't surprised. I picked SMU and uh, that, that was a game. I, I don't think TCU of all the teams in the big 12 that are on the cusp of getting into the top 25 TCU would have been one of my, um, would not have been my first choice. Let me put it like that. Yeah, Duggan went 16 of 36 for 188 yards and three touchdowns. He was also responsible for three fumbles, two that they lost. It just TCU had six fumbles. They only they they, they recovered three of them, but you have six fumbles in a game. Mm-hmm. You've got some problems on offense. Like that's not the kind of thing you expect to see. And, and while I knew we knew TCU's offense was a problem. I mean, if you go and look mm-hmm. at so far this season, 38 points is is about about what they're averaging each game. They put up 39 on UAPB, 34 on Purdue, and 38 on SMU. To me, the bigger concern is, and I know SMU's got a good offense. I know Shane Bouchelle is a is a good quarterback, but mm-hmm. TCU is is a defensive team. They are known for defense, and SMU put up 41 points on them. TCU is about to go into the Big 12 play. Was, you, I mean, and how, face you, far you better offenses that, than SMU. Three turnovers. You know, with three turnovers, you're you're not helping your defense out at all. No. Yeah, and the thing and the thing to me about that, I think that w- what really sticks out to me, and I can't say that maybe I'm surprised, but the thing that really sticks out to me is that all off season, that was a big thing that that I think Gary Patterson harped on, and that they really focused on was reducing turnovers because that's what killed them last year. And then they come into this game, and like that game looked eerily similar to a lot of those games that they lost last year where they had a bunch of turnovers, they struggled on offense. And, you know, like I said, like you guys said, their, their defense is good, but I mean, when you're put in a, in a bad position as often as that defense is, it's hard to keep teams from scoring, especially teams with a good offense. And SMU is about as close to a Big 12 team as TCU has played before they enter conference. And so it, you know, doesn't doesn't really look good from here going into Big 12 play. Yeah, I, I expect the Mustangs will contend for the American Athletic. I mean, I, they are they're a decent squad. They're four and zero, and and I and I was you know we're hopeful that TCU got the win. It's a rivalry game. I, I'm not I'm not going to. I don't think what we saw this weekend changed my perception of TCU this year. I mean, I think I, I did a little bit for me. Like, I, I, I'm i a little more concerned. I think they can still get to a bowl game, but... They, they have the issues we thought they would. 
Yeah, but I didn't think. Here's the deal. I I, I believed in TCU's defense because it's always so good that I don't expect mm-hmm. them to give up 41 points to SMU. If you told me that TCU scored 38 points in this game, I'd have thought they won. Like I said, I don't expect TCU's defense to give up 41 to a team like SMU because that Josh is right. Like they're going to face similar offenses that are better with more talent and higher, more firepower than SMU's did. That's a real concern. And I understand the turnovers, but if the defense can't play better than that, that's a problem. Yeah, but you're, you're facing, you know, the turnovers don't help. And you're also facing a quarterback that knows your defense. And, and, and yes, the I the the frogs their defense. I'm not going to even fault them because they were just put into bad situations. And you know TCU was coming back in that game after an early hole. They just ran out of time. I'll be curious to see uh, how much longer Sonny Cumbie sticks around in Fort Worth if if this continues throughout the season. It's it's year three with him in charge. I know they made the Big Twelve title game two years ago, but this is um, this is a concern. Yeah, it really yeah, is. They have six quarterbacks, but don't have one. Yeah, interesting comparison. Watching watching Duggan play, it kind of made me think. You know, he's a true freshman. You're seeing the mistakes he's making. You're seeing that he's an incredibly talented kid. He came in very highly touted. There's there's high expectations for him. He kind of reminds me of of Spencer Sanders, and that's kind of where I wanted to talk, take my first one. Is first for everyone who thought Spencer Sanders should have played last year. I want you to, to to see what Duggan is doing and realize that's probably what he would have looked like last year as a true freshman for Oklahoma State. So just let that sink in for a minute. But I came away from the Oklahoma State Texas game both impressed by Sanders and uh, and and wanting everybody to just pump the brakes a bit as everyone's so high on him after the start to the season for Oklahoma State. It's a the guy is incredibly talented. His legs are a weapon that Oklahoma State has not had. They've had to face quarterbacks like that. It's it's really frustrating to watch an opposing quarterback. You think you're about to get a sack, and all of a sudden he's gained 30 yards off his legs. But to finally see something like that at Oklahoma State is is huge, and he is incredibly fast uh, and and hard to catch. But he made some more that freshmen. That back on the sideline was just dirty. Oh, Usually, like, oh, he's going out of no, he's going to go all the way to the other side of the field and pick up another twenty yards. Okay, okay, cool, all right. Yeah, that 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 was that was filthy. That whole, it was just it, mentally, you're like, why is he what? Why is he still going? He he should have been <laughs> what? Yeah, we we won't talk about the apparent not first down that was a first down, but whatever. Refs, yeah. nice job, but. You can tell he's still a freshman. He continues to make some freshman mistakes mm-hmm. that, and some plays that, and the one that I want to talk about, and I, and I wrote about this for the the CRFF site, is the throw to Stoner in the first quarter that should have been a, a touchdown, but ended up being an incompletion and ended their second drive. And I saw a lot of people getting mad at Dylan Stoner. Should have caught it. He should have had it. That was a tough catch. It is a tough catch, and you had a defender full speed running into him. Yeah. Um, you can't ask a guy to make every every tough catch. Yeah. And it's something that happened at Tulsa where Tylen Wallace continually had to turn around, come back, and allow time for the defender to catch up to him. And, and, and that led to a lot of pass interference, which was, was great. Mm-hmm. But instead of going and getting a touchdown, he's not putting his, his receivers in the right position. And, and it's not arm strength. I don't think it's arm strength. It's about timing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about making sure he trusts his arm. Because man, yeah, that you get that ball out, a... you get that ball out at the right time, and not hold on for it too too long. You should be hitting your receivers in stride because these guys are getting open and they're fast enough to get all the way to the end zone. And it was a 
if if Sanders hits him there, it's ten nothing Oklahoma State, and that game is completely different. Yeah, I mean, we saw this a few times from Sanders. That one, uh, Tylon Wallace had an unbelievable catch where Sanders threw it into double coverage, threw it to the wrong shoulder. Wallace had to wait on it and still brought it down. And, and yeah, Wallace had beat the double team, but the time the ball got there, you know, both had closed the gap. And and we saw we saw Sanders throw it into double coverage quite often, looking for Wallace. He needs to start trusting uh, some of his other receivers. I know Stoner led in receptions, but uh, and, and Gundy said after the game that uh, they put a safety over top of Wallace for for most of the game, which kind of dictated that they ran. And, and to me, it's like, or throw the ball to someone else. Yeah. And, you know, that's the problem with the Oklahoma State offense. If you can if you can shut down uh, Wallace and, and, and force him to be one-dimensional with Hubbard and, and kind of stuff the run, then they're not going to do much. Well, we can talk about coaching in that game in, in a little bit. But, uh, Chris, what's your, what's your next t- big takeaway? My takeaway, and we're going to fight on this, I already know from uh, – what we're talking before is the same game, but to me, Texas is absolutely back. They just beat a very talented Oklahoma state team with their like fourth string defense and a running back that came to the school as a quarterback. And it's, it's not inaccurate. Although I, I would like to say that I'm really concerned with the number of players who were apparently injured in that game on Saturday. Uh, is Texas going to have anybody healthy this, this coming week? Cause man, a lot of guys hitting the floor. So either you need to talk to your strength and conditioning coach or the P charts need to come back out for Texas. I, I think they lost, I think they lost uh, four uh, secondary members for multiple weeks against Oklahoma state. And they're already without overshone and foster. So I, I, I hear your point, And my counter to that is I, I watched that game and did not come away thinking Texas is program. Look, I still think Texas is really good. I do. I, this is not a shot at Texas or to say that they're not really good this year. But this idea that their program is suddenly just back to being elite. Look, look what they did against LSU. They took LSU to the wire. A, a very depleted Texas team just beat Oklahoma State. And, and you're saying they're not back when they contended for the Big 12 last year, when they won the Sugar Bowl, when they took – I mean, L, LSU has looked unbelievable, and the Longhorns nearly got them. And now they beat Oklahoma State with two arms tied behind their back, and they're not back? Uh, and, and my counter to that is if you're going to say they beat them with two arms tied behind their back, but it's not like Oklahoma State played a, a perfect game in any way, shape, or form. And, and look, if OSU came in there and just played a perfect game and Texas still beat them, then all right, we can have this discussion. But Oklahoma State's coaching decisions and and some of the mistakes that Oklahoma State made were just as detrimental and just as much the reason that Texas won that game as, as what Texas did. And that's not to take anything away from Texas whatsoever, but that's, I mean, it, Texas played a really good game and Texas won. Oklahoma State played a good game and Oklahoma State lost. And Texas was the better team. Sam Ellinger was the better quarterback. And, and they made the stops that needed to be made. And Oklahoma State had some questionable play calling that, and I'm not even talking about the, the fake field goal. I, it doesn't really bother me as much as it seems to everybody else because it's easy to point at one. Thing well, here, like here, that, here's what bothers work, me is Gundy punted with 344 left in the game, down two scores. Yeah, but remember where they were on the field. It doesn't like, matter. down two I, scores. What's going to happen? They're going to be down three scores? Yeah. Like, and, and well, that, okay, it, but, but if that happens, then you weren't winning anyway. 
Well, but like they, they punting had to, it away, hold on a second. you're going to have to get the ball back twice. They almost did. And score twice. And they almost did. Because of a muff punt, you can't. The, the muff punt is confirmation bias. That There's no way Gundy's like, well, if we punt it to him, they're going to muff it and we'll get it right back. No, I understand that. But I feel like to me, and I, I feel like I'm getting in between two OSU fans here defending Mike Gundy. Uh, no, 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 what Chris he was, never to defends me, what Mike Gundy. Probably, Oh, okay. Well, to me, what he was thinking he, he was makes probably... too much money to be defended. I, I love Gundy and everything he's done for the program, but he he. What I don't like about Gundy is he doesn't, and he he does sometimes, but sometimes he gets contentious with the media when you question his play calling, like everybody else is an idiot and that we have no business questioning it. But that's 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 what we're all here for, right? There's no just one right answer. There's no wrong answer. It doesn't make his decision right or wrong. You know, they're just questions and, you know, they're, they're valid questions and to invalidate them is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, far be it for me to try and like, you know, get inside his mullet. But uh, what I kind of thought maybe he was thinking at that point is that Tom Herman, when he got the ball back, that offense was going to be play it really, really conservative like they did, like they were uh, until that one uh, kind of bootleg that Sam Ellinger did, and they were just going to try to sit on the ball, uh, and then he might have a chance. But I do it, – it is weird to me that he went for, like, the the fake field goal. That he telegraphed. Yeah, and he was he did that. He took that risk, but then he punted um, in that situation. So I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, far be it for me to try to get inside. And, this has happened before, and, I, and I've talked about it is he in a similar situation down two scores um he made the decision to punt and he was questioned on it and he's like well you know at that field position you need you know fourth and long your the statistics say you're not you know likely to convert that but what about the stats of getting the ball back twice in that amount of time and being able to you know still give yourself time to score I, it's just i, I it, it's just a weird thing to Cross your fingers and punt it away. So we've done enough Gundy bashing as far as I'm concerned, even though I agree. <laughs> Questionable play calling on Saturday. And I'm not going to defend it, some of the decisions that were made because the desire to continue to run the ball despite the fact that they couldn't run the ball is just mind-numbingly frustrating. Listen, listen it's not – I hate that it's called Gundy bashing. It's not bashing. <laughs> it's just no one is above – no one is above being questioned. That's And I am glad that we have you here to question every decision he makes every week because – um so the other big 12 game this weekend well let's just okay we're not going game by game so uh josh takeaway well i mean i guess the my one takeaway and i didn't really see much of this game but west virginia uh is officially not in the bottom of the big 12 right now bravo that's my one takeaway yeah they are one and oh yeah they're tied with texas for uh yeah Yeah, I thought Carter Stanley had the better day, but uh, West Virginia definitely, uh, they got the win, and that's all that matters. I I do think, because I got to watch some of that game, Kansas, I feel better about Kansas. And and I know that they lost on Saturday, Mm. but... They were competitive. They were competitive. They didn't, they didn't, once they got down, they didn't stay down. They kept fighting and kept Mm -hmm. fighting and kept fighting and kept trying to come back. I I do think Kansas is going to get a Big 12 win this year. I don't think they go winless in the conference. Uh, They might, but I just... I feel like this is a team that is moving forward and is improved and is better. Um, I think they figured some things out. 
I think this is a Kansas team that's moving in the right direction. I, I liked what I saw on Saturday. Yes, they lost. But losses don't always mean that you're like, sometimes you can have positive takeaways from the loss. And I, and I had one for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me, let me ask you. Okay. You, you both, you guys both vote in the LGG power rankings. Yes. Um, Texas Tech was the uh, unanimous number 10. Will that change this week? Hmm. I mean, Kansas has a loss. That's hard to do based on... So power rankings aren't actual rankings, and that's the thing. Sure. So it's our guess if, if you know, everybody lined up how the... If who would beat who? Kansas has, to me, Kansas by far has, out of those two teams, Kansas to this point has the better performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to agree with that. Boston College by far against what they did against Boston College is the better performance. Uh, but outside of that Arizona game, Texas Tech really hasn't been. They really haven't played anybody, uh, um, and so we feel like we know some things about them, but we just like we haven't seen them play kind of week in week out against legitimate competition. And so I don't know. For me, it's uh, it's still kind of a toss up for me. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Tech comes off their bye week and is gonna have to. Go to Norman and face Oklahoma. I mean, it's an opportunity to learn more about Tech this coming weekend. But I, and I kind of feel like, yeah, I've still got Kansas in ninth and Tech in tenth, and it's not so much a comment on on Tech. I just I don't know enough about. Let's call them a, a, an incomplete. So it's hard to give them a real grade so far because they didn't look good at Arizona. That was was not great. But that whole game was ugly. So so let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys to to move on to our final game that we haven't mentioned. What did you guys think about Baylor being shut out in the second half against Rice? So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be blunt. I didn't get to watch any of this game, yeah. so I, I don't want to just sit and give a a box score perspective because I, I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. It's on the one hand, it's surprising that they didn't score in the second half, but also you're going up against a Rice team that likes to control the clock and play keep away. So I don't. Yeah, like it, it's hard to it without having gone back and watched the game. It's hard to know exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I'm. Go ahead, Josh. I caught I caught some of this game, um, and this was just a really really sloppy game for Baylor. I mean, in the first uh, in the first half, they had six possessions, and I think they had like three of them were touchdowns, and three of them I think were either were like turnovers. They had two or three turnovers, and so this was just a really really sloppy game for them. They're coming off a bye. Sometimes having a bye week helps you. Sometimes I think when you're on a roll, when a team's on a roll and then they get a bye week, that almost kind of hurts them that they don't kind of get to keep playing and continue that momentum. And I would kind of chalk it up to that. I, you know, it is, it is weird that they came out and played so bad against, against Rice and didn't score more. Uh, I mean, Baylor is across the board, probably bigger and faster than Rice, stronger and faster than Rice at every position. And so you'd expect them to just kind of roll but that was just a really, really sloppy game for them. Kind of towards to to your point there, Josh. Uh, I believe this was the first win after a bye week for uh, Baylor under Matt Rule. Wow, I did not know that. There's a stat. I believe that you can. Yeah, you can fact check it. You know, in the comments if if that's wrong. But I believe that's true. So maybe like bye weeks are actually really bad for Baylor under <laughs> Matt Rule. They should just not have bye weeks. Like, let's find someone to scrimmage. I just like we're gonna we're gonna not play the first week of the season and not play the last week of the season and just play week two uh, two through twelve get all our games in and be done. Yeah, go find an FCS team. Let's see what they're doing this week. Let's let's play somebody. 
Big 12 overall perspective, did anything that happened this weekend change your perspective for how you think the conference is going to going to move forward? I mean, for me, really, no. It, it, it didn't. Iowa State looks, finally they're giving us a reason to kind of believe in them this season. Uh, but other than that, no, I, I think everybody kind of showed who we thought they were. Yeah, I would go I would go same. Um I mean, I think at the beginning at the beginning of the season, I probably thought had TCU a little bit higher than kind of what what they're showing right now. Um, you know, going into this going into this season, I was kind of going back and forth between kind of Oklahoma State and TCU, which one was sort of that the better program and I mean, I got to say for sure right now OSU has looked like looked like the better program throughout. Yeah. I mean, I still think OU and Texas are one and two, and there's a. I think that three, four, five spot still might be a little bit muddled, but now it's Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and and Kansas State, and TCU's down there, kind of in the muck with I don't know what to think about Texas Tech, and I don't know what to think about Baylor, and I don't know what to think about. Like I just the the top five to six feel pretty good. That that the rest of it, I just don't know, man. I it's just. I don't. I feel like the bottom of the Big Twelve is the best it's been in a few years. I will say that um, with mm-hmm. Texas Tech and yeah. West Virginia and Kansas. Like I feel like the bottom of the Big Twelve is better than the bottom of the Big Ten, the bottom of the ACC, which obviously, and even I could argue the bottom better than the bottom of the SEC, which has your Arkansas and your Vanderbilts. Like I actually think top to bottom, the Big Twelve might be the best conference. Now I don't. I know that at the top, other conferences might have. You know, you've got Clemson or you've got the SEC, which has LSU and Georgia and Alabama. But from a top to bottom standpoint, I can I think that that the Big Twelve this year is the strongest conference because the bottom is better here than it is anywhere else. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we're in for a lot of really interesting uh, conference games. Um, a lot, like you said, a lot of those teams at the bottom better than the bottom of a lot of other con- conferences, and, and none of them are just going to kind of lay down. And so we're going to have a lot of competitive Big Twelve teams. It'll be really interesting to me to kind of see who who comes out, how this kind of shakes out in the shuffle. Josh, appreciate you joining us today, man. Really, really do. For everybody who wants to uh, check out the work you do covering the Big Twelve, where can they do so? Uh, yeah, I'm over at the L- Landgren Grounded, the LGG.com. Uh, usually every week I put out kind of my, my takeaways, what we learned in the Big 12. So that'll be coming this week. Um, I'll talk about probably some of the same kind of things we talked about here, um, but it'll still be still be unique. And you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Josh C underscore FB. Yeah, so go check out that article from Josh. That'll be on the landgrantgauntlet.com or the LGG.com, as well as all of our weekend recaps, all the other great content that we're putting out covering all the Big 12 teams. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us 
on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.